0: Right, um, I've been, um, well, I've been writing some applications for jobs. Well, yeah, woohoo, give it a go. Um, and about this time of year at work, we've been writing our annual report, which kind of looks back at what we've been doing for the year. Um, have we met all the standards that have been set? Um, have we exceeded those standards? Have we done more than we should do? Um, um, have we shown lots of new skills, lots of skills? Um and all that and applying for jobs you kind of base it on what you've done in life what you've done at work other examples you might be able to pick out um to show those skills (laughs) to show those skills um so work examples, situations you've been in um why do we do it well we're doing it if we're applying for a job to show that we can do that new job to show look at me, I can do this. I've already done it, I can do it. Um in terms of our annual report, why are we writing how good we are? So we can get a bonus. Yay. So it's a case oh turn myself off then. it's a case of kind of um bigging yourself up a bit, isn't it? And going, look at me, I can do this, I am excellent. Which would be great if you could just write on the form, I am excellent. And then then you just get the money and that'd be fine. Um so you kinda have to kind of yeah, big yourself up and say um, I'm just brilliant. Um, but in a in a more wordy way. But, with the application form, and uh, to a certain extent, um, stuff we write for our our reports, you can't lie. It says on the applications that I've been filling in, um, you use some examples of things you've done to show all these things that you can do. If you make it up, we will find out. So you don't lie. Which... Makes a lot of sense really, you don't want to be lying. Sometimes however, you find yourself writing things down and you slightly change the situation, you slightly change the scenario just to make it sound a little bit better. One example, Um, I was asked at work to work alongside uh, one of my team members. who was struggling a little bit with her performance. Um, My team leader asked me to help out, she knows I've got skills in that sort of area. Um, So we were writing our annual report Um, and that was kind of something we wanted to pick up on it Um, and then we had this great discussion with me and my team leader about was it my team leader who suggested to her team leader that I'd be good at doing the job or was it my team leader's team leader who suggested that I should do it because she knew what I was doing and we had to be really careful about how it was worded because if my team leader's team leader hadn't originally suggested that I'd done it then that would be the wrong thing in the report. And my team leader's team leader was reading the report. And you can see how it all gets a bit confusing. So we had to make sure it was right. Um, So why am I talking about this? That's a good question. Um, So we've got one thing, haven't we? We've got what's expected of us and um, what then we get from that. And we've also got what happens if we tell a little porky. And don't tell the truth. Let's have a look in the book. Hey. Not a Luke in no a Luke in the book of no, we're going into Matthew anyway, so that's not gonna work. Right, uh, let me find it in here. It should be on the screen when we get there. This is Matthew twenty-five, starting at verse fourteen. Right, so this is Jesus talking, um, talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is how it will be. It will be like a landowner who is going on a trip. He instructed his slaves about caring for his property. He gave five talents to one slave. Now, talents are, just think of it as money. Talents to one slave, two to the next, and then one talent to the last slave, each according to his ability. Then the man left. Promptly, the man who had been given five talents... Went out and bartered and sold and turned his five talents into ten, and the one who had received two talents went to the market and turned his two into four, and then the slave who had just received, <laughs> and the slave who had received just one talent, he dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money there. Now I like to think at this point that slave, who just went uh, okay, um, master's going away for a bit, I'll just shove it in the ground. And I'll go and spend the time playing on the PlayStation, or just having a sleep. Have a line in the morning, and do what I want really. Maybe that's what he's thinking. He just couldn't be bothered, couldn't be bothered doing anything with it. But we go on. Uh, if we can find where, eventually the master came back from his travels, found his slaves, and settled up with them. The slave who had been given five talents came forward and told his master how he turned five into ten. Then he handed the whole lot over to his master. and The master says, Excellent. You've proved yourself not only to be clever but loyal. You've executed a rather small, small task masterfully, so now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come and join my great feast and celebration. So obviously there, that first slave... Did a good job, gave the stuff back to the master, and then he had a party. Great. And then he had to go back to work, but party first. Then the slave who had been given two talents came forward and told his master how he turned two into four. And he handed all the four talents to his master. The master says, excellent. You prove yourself not only clever but loyal. You've executed rather a small task masterfully. I can't speak, can I? So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come and join my great feast and celebration. So again, second one. According to his ability, he didn't have as much talents to start with, but he still doubled them, and the master was pleased. Now, I'm wondering if the master just had a card and was just reading it. Excellent. You prove yourself now. So he says the same thing to them both. Okay. Finally, the man who had been given one talent came forward. Now, I'm thinking at this point, he's kind of going, oh, oh. I've just seen what the other two have done. And what have I done? Mm, Not a lot. So, whether he's making this up, whether he's finally realised what his master's all about, mm, I don't know. Master, I know you're a hard man, difficult in every way. You make a healthy sum when others would fail. You profit when other people... Are doing the work. You grow rich on the backs of others. So always afraid. Dug a hole and hid the talent in the ground. Here it is. You can have it. The master was furious. You are a pathetic excuse for a servant. You have dis- disproved my trust and in you and squandered my generosity. You know I always make a profit. You could at least put this talent in the bank. Then I could have earned a little interest on it. Take that one talent away and give it to the servant who doubled my money from five to ten. You see, everything was taken away from the man who had nothing, but the man who had something got even more. And as for the slave who made no profit, but buried his talent in the ground, his master ordered his slaves to tie him up and throw him outside into the utter darkness, where there is miserable mourning and great fear. So, see, that's a parable that Jesus was telling about uh, a master and a few, ser- few slaves, servants. Um, so those, those slaves, um, when the master was going away, those slaves were kind of given um, stewardship, responsibility for the master's money. So they were, they were given that responsibility to take care of things that weren't theirs, belonged to somebody else. And also, they were accountable they are to be liable to be called on to explain their actions or behaviours. And if you think about it, we're all accountable to somebody or something. Um, children, you're accountable to your parents. Yeah. yeah. If you're employed, you're accountable to your employer. Um, but ultimately, we're all accountable to God. The two servants, perhaps they realised who their master was, and realised what they'd been given, and the responsibilities they'd been given, and they understood it, and they went off and did the best they could with that money. Whereas the other servant, the one who didn't do anything, maybe he didn't realise who your master was. Maybe he just couldn't be bothered. Maybe he was given stuff and he was like, eh, meh, and just couldn't be bothered dealing with it. <coughs> well, what we're going to look at is, all of us, um, whoever we are, wherever we are, wherever we are in life, will one day have to stand before God. And we're going to either receive a reward or a punishment. Let's have a look at the next verse. 2 Corinthians 5.10. I can find it. Up on the screen, probably. I'm going to it off the screen. In, ta- in time, we will all stand in judgment before the throne of the anointed, the liberating king, to receive what is just for our conduct, whether it be good or bad, or we lived in this temporary body. So that is going to happen. We're all going to res- you know, stand before God, be accountable for what we've done in our lives. I know which way I want to go. I want to stand before God and not get punished. Okay, I'm sure that's the same for all of us here. Some people, however, will just go their own way and do whatever they want. Um That's not God's way. The Bible teaches us to go God's way. If have a look at the next one, Proverbs 14, 12. Before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but the end of that road is death and destruction. And then in Matthew, Matthew expands on that a bit more. There are two paths before you. You may take only one path. One doorway is narrow and one door is wide. Go through the narrow door. For the wide door leads to a wide path, and the wide path is broad. The wide, broad path is easy, and the wide, broad, easy path has many, many people on it, but the wide, broad, easy, crowded path leads to death. Now then that narrow door leads to a narrow road, that in turn leads to life. It's hard to find that road, and not many people manage it. I think it was Roy who said, a while ago, you know, a wide door, a wide path, it's easy to find. There's a lot of people on that one. There's a narrow door, there's a narrow path. This is got what God wants us to be doing, following this narrow path. It's not easy. You always find things will make you stumble and fall, but that's the path we've got to be looking for. <coughs> if we do that, if we get onto that path and we're following it, and we're faithful to what God wants us to do, Um, and we don't compromise when things get tough, those circumstances won't separate us from God's faithfulness. If we say faithful to God, God will remain faithful to us. And that's picked up in Romans, if you have a look at the next one. So who can separate us? What What can come between us and the love of God's anointed? Can troubles, hardships, persecution, hunger... Poverty, danger, or even death, the answer is absolutely nothing. As the psalm says, on your behalf, our lives are endangered constantly. We are like sheep awaiting slaughter. But no matter what comes, we will always always taste victory through him who loved us. For I have every confidence that nothing, not death, life, heavenly messengers, dark spirits, the present, the future, spiritual powers... Height, depth, nor any creative thing can come between us and the love of God revealed in the anointed Jesus our Lord. <coughs> like I say, if we we're faithful to what God wants us to be doing, he will show us that he's faithful to, um, his faithfulness. And we've got to have that right attitude to do that. Um, I don't know how much... It's happening in All Stars, but one thing that Joseph said to me this morning, he was talking about attitude and gratitude. That's one of the things he picked up on this morning, having the, you know, the right attitude for things. Um, if I have a look at the next verse in Corinthians, One Corinthians. My dear brothers and sisters, stay firmly planted, be unshakable, do many good works in the name of God, and know that all your labor is not for nothing when it is for God. Excuse me. We have to be like those two servants, the two slaves in the parable, the ones that were given something by their master, went away, and actually were productive with it. Now, if we get those times when we're struggling and we're feeling perhaps we're not maybe good enough, we're not the right, you know, done things that we shouldn't be doing, we're not going the way that God wants us to be, um, there's always, always remember this you know, remember back to what Jesus went through, suffering and dying on the cross so that we've got life by submitting ourselves to God by giving our lives over to God and turning our back on the things that we have done wrong the sins that we've committed are forgotten never to be remember, remembered again and that's something we need to hold on to if I have a look at the next verse in Matthew Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to your curves. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. When you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (coughs) That's kind of getting to the end of what I wanted to say was just a thought I had when I was you know, filling these forms, these applications in about what is the right thing to be writing down here on these applications and not doing the wrong thing and the consequences of doing the wrong thing, of putting those down. I will be found out if I say I've done something I haven't. I will be found out or if I'm not doing the right thing at work, I'm not going to get the reward for doing that. So, An encouraging last little, well, last little verse from Ecclesiastes. When all is said and done, here is the last word. Worship in reverence of the one true God and keep his commands. This is what God expects of every person. For God will judge every action, including everything done in secret, whether it be good or evil.